Welcome to the Sober Nation FM podcast, where we're putting recovery on the map. I'm your host, Jonathan Sylvester. This show is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Do you want to take your recovery to the next level? Do you want more support, community, and fellowship? Sobriety Engine is an incredible community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. You can get a ton of great tips, resources, and guidance to help you succeed in recovery and in life. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. Sober Nation FM is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle all while supporting your sobriety, then you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave a review. Nation, let's hop right into today's episode. Today, I'll be speaking with author, recovery coach, and public speaker, Emily Paulson. Thanks for coming on the show with me today, Emily. Thanks for having me. So I'd love to hear more about being a sober mom, uh, your recovery coaching, and your book, Highlight Reel. Uh, But first, I was hoping you could tell me a little bit about what things were like before you got sober and how you actually found recovery. Sure. So I really can look back and see that alcohol was a problem through my whole life. Um, It wasn't like something terrible happened every time I drank, but anytime something terrible did happen, I had always been drinking. Um, And, you know, it was easy to like mask in college, you know, people are binge drinking anyway, it's kind of easy to hide. Um, you know, as young adults, everyone's out partying. And, and so my behavior didn't look all that different from everybody else. Okay. So it wasn't really until, you know, got married, had kids. And, you know, it, it was really this, the mommy wine culture, really, that, mm. that kind of brought it to light for me. Um, it was okay to drink in the morning if there was a play date and other women were drinking. Okay. And in addition to that, I was I was drinking before I went out. I was drinking when I got home. It just really became um, just self-medication for me. Sure. And so all the things happened, you know, that that they say are going to happen. You know, I had trouble in my marriage. I had, you know, I was dropping the ball with the kids, not sending things into school. I was hungover. Um, I got a DUI. I mean, all these things happened, and finally, it was it was enough for me, and um, I ended up going to my first AA meeting and did all the steps and all the things I was supposed to do. And that's really what brought me to recovery. And the more I learned, the more I learned about myself, um, the more I was kind of able to pay it forward for other people. And that brought me to recovery coaching. And here we are. That's awesome. Yeah, no, and I'm so glad you're here. And, And you and I were talking about one of your friends, uh, Jessica Landon and, and fellow sober mom. I had her on the show uh, recently, and you know she was talking a little bit about being a sober mom. But you know, one of the things that I think is interesting about your story, which I'm sure some of the women listening to can can certainly relate to, is that you got sober, you know, while you had kids. And I, I definitely want to ask you more about that because I, I think that's something that. Um, probably is, I I would guess, isn't talked about very much. I mean, I've been around a little while and I've been to a lot of meetings and I've I've listened to a lot of podcasts and I don't hear that talked about very much. So I'm certainly interested to hear about that. But so you you start drinking, it sounds like you were kind of like me, you're you're pre-gaming before the pre-game even. Uh, (laughs) You're you're getting prepared as early in the day as possible. 
And, and I don't want to focus too much on, on the problem here, so to speak, but w- when did you really start to realize that, that this was a problem? And I don't know if you want to refer to it as, as a rock bottom, but when did this start to kind of click like, okay, like something's not right? You know, honestly, it wasn't until, you know, me going to AA was more like, this is the last straw. Like I've been to the hospital. If I don't stop drinking, I was having health problems. Like this is going to kill me. Okay. So it was mostly like I had to do that. And it, and once I stopped drinking and mm-hmm. started connecting the dots and saying, how the hell did I get here? That's really when I saw where it had become a problem. So it was okay. almost in looking back that I realized it was a problem. But the whole time I was I was able to justify it enough to myself. Um, even, even honestly, when I, when I got a DUI, um, I thought that, you know, when it happened, I was like, oh, this is terrible. But then you talk to the right people, you surround yourself with people who are really, um, I don't know, it, it, that can justify it for you. Like, oh, I've driven drunk before, right? You know, it Mm -hmm. can happen to anybody. And then you start to minimize, but I definitely did. I started to minimize how bad the drinking really was. And and I would, one thing that I I justified that it wasn't bad, because I did all the things I Googled, right? Am I an alcoholic? Do I have a drinking problem? I could always look for a couple of things. Like, oh, well, I don't come from, I I don't come from a, you know, huge line of alcoholics. So I must not be. Or I can stop. That, that was one thing that really um, stuck out to me was, you know, I quit for five pregnancies. So nine wow. months at a time. So clearly I must not have a problem. That, that was always how I justified it to myself. So I would find the littlest caveat, even if there was 400 reasons, I would find mm-hmm. the one that didn't apply. And, and so looking back, I can see how I just really, it was, it was always a problem. I just was able to justify it. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, and you're talking about, you know, going to your first meetings. And I remember one of the things that really clicked for me was it it was definitely hearing other people. Like when I finally, kind of like you're saying, started looking for the similarities as opposed to the differences, like some things started to click. But I think one of the biggest things was, um, and I don't know if you've experienced this, probably so, but it's like when you share something aloud and you hear yourself saying it, and that's when it really clicks. And that's when some of this stuff, you know, really started to, you know, I just couldn't den- deny it anymore. It wasn't anyone saying like, you're this or that. It was me saying, here's what I've been doing. Clearly it's a problem. Um, and, and I couldn't deny it anymore. So, um, so, okay. When you got sober, how many kids did you have? Five. Oh, you had all f- Okay. You said five all pregnancies. Five. Wow. Yep. Wow. Yep, all five. And, and yeah. so what are the age ranges? So this, at the time, my oldest was 10. Okay. Um, so he's 15 okay. now. Okay. Um, but yeah, he was, he was, it was 10, you know, eight, seven, six, and three or something like that. Like all, okay. you know, in a row. Yeah. Um, and so I really thought that, that they were oblivious to it. That's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. Cause kids know what's up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Kids know what's going so on. So much so much more than, than you want to think that they do. Right. Right. Um, yeah. They, you know, that was really when I got sober, I, I okay. had to have the conversation with them and it, it was, it was amazing how much they already knew. Mm. And I realized at that point, like, Oh, I guess I have not been hiding it that well. Or I guess this wasn't such a private problem that, sure. that I was shielding them from. 
Would you be willing to share an example of like just maybe something that that they said that you were kind of caught you off guard that you thought you were hiding really well? I'm kind of curious. Yeah, yeah. Well, what what forced the conversation was again, like I said, I got a DUI. I had to have a breathalyzer okay. put in my car. Okay, got so, to explain that. Right. So <laughs> up to that point, that one. Right. up to that point, the only thing they knew was that mommy had a wine glass at night. Right. That's that's what okay. they knew of drinking, and this is sure. this is a adult drink. You can't have it. Right. Right. So I pull up to school with to pick up my two oldest, and yeah, they were eight and ten, and you know, what's this? What's this new accessory in the car? And so I had to explain, okay, I got, you know, it's illegal to have a drink and get behind the wheel. I did that. This is my punishment, basically, okay. in the most simple terms I could think of. And they're yeah. like, okay, you know, pretty matter of fact. And then the questions started coming, like, mm. why do people drink if you can get in trouble? And why do they serve alcohol at restaurants if you have to drive home after? And why and why and why and all these things. And then they started launching into all these stories. I remember when we had friends over and so-and-so passed out on the couch. And, you know, I can tell when you've had too many glasses because you'll fall asleep in my bed. And I can tell, I mean, all of these things that they're describing me drunk or, you know, parties we've had, people swearing, you know, getting really sweary was one of the things. Yeah. People had a lot of fear. They get really sweary. So many examples of, you know, from an eight and 10 year old that I'm like, they are seeing all of it. They saw everything. And so as they're saying this, I mean, obviously you were, I'm sure you were a little caught off guard, number one, but what, what was going through your head? Just like, as they're clearly they saw what was going on. So kind of what were you thinking and, and just what was going through your mind as they're saying all this stuff? Yeah, That was really the point when I realized I need to quit like for good. And okay. it's not just, I need to take a month off. I need to take two months off. I've done that millions of times and it never took. Yeah. Um, and it was, you know, another six weeks probably after that, that I, you know, went, went to my first meeting. Um, again, trying to stop on my own was not working, but that was really the conversation that put everything into motion that mm. this is not just about me anymore. And, and Again, this is one of those things you look back, like you say it to yourself, and it's like, well, that's obvious. It's obvious. But when you're in it, you cannot see it. And and I, at the time, it seemed so, it seemed like it was just me that it was affecting. It seemed like they were totally protected from it. And so when it, when I realized how affected they were by it, I knew I needed to, you know, put an end to it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, and I, I definitely appreciate you sharing that. So, you know, one of the things that you mentioned, one of the terms that you mentioned, um, you know, is this mommy wine culture. And, and that's become a, a popular term, a popular topic for those listening and, and watching who don't know what that is. Can you kind of describe that and just why, why is it a problem? So, when I think of when I was growing up, and again, my, my parents weren't drinkers, um, but I don't remember there being wine glasses that said mommy juice. Uh, there weren't, <laughs> you know, fancy pink cans of wine, right, self, right. spike seltzer. Uh, there wasn't, you know, onesies that say I'm the reason mommy drinks. Is that mm. really what is it? It's so pervasive now that you know, I don't really care if people drink or not. That That's sure. not really the issue, but it's the message that you have to drink to survive your kids. And that's how I felt. Like drinking was such a part of who I was. And I was wine mom. I mean, that was, I, I 
fully embraced that culture that this is how we get through it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is how, this is how you survive. And, and so once I was on the other side of it and really saw it for what it was and realized that my, how much of it my kids were absorbing, um, you know, the thought that I needed to numb myself out to be their mom. Sure. And, and you see it so clearly now, and there's so much marketing around it. And, you know, the ladies on the Today Show are drinking, you know, I at know. 9 a.m. And, yeah. and so it, we, it's become so normalized where if you put a cigarette in place of it, right, it would never fly. It, no yeah. one, that would never work. Um, and, and just the idea that it's, it's a required accessory to motherhood. I mean, if you, if you go to a play date and there's wine, it, it's, there's no question that, that it's okay. Um, you know, it's like, when did it become okay to drink at any time of day around your kids? And, and so it's just this idea that it's completely normalized. It's just like drinking water. Wow. Yeah, no, you make a lot of great points. And yeah, I'm just thinking, you know, like, especially right now during the quarantine, like you and I were talking about, you know, Mm -hmm. moms are struggling right now, you know, and I I can only imagine, you know, it's like, and I was uh, talking to a friend the other day, and I was just like, you know, I'm, how are people getting childcare right now and and dealing with the school and and all this stuff? So I, I know it's tough, but I'm, you know, I'm thinking about just some of the memes I've seen on like Instagram, you know, and and you kind of want to laugh at some of it at first. And then it's like, like you said, when you're on the other side of it, it's like, man, that's, that's, it's pretty sad, actually, mm-hmm. you know, because it is, it is escaping. It's a form of, you know, of what I was doing and what so many of us do. We were not present and, and we're definitely not present for our kids. So I know that, uh, you know, that obviously, like I mentioned, you do recovery coaching. So what, what are some of the things, some of the moms that you're talking to, um, and, and again, I mentioned uh, Jessica Land, and I know you guys do like an online, uh, so you have an online sober community for moms. What, what are some of the things you're hearing from moms right now? That, like, what, what are they struggling with right now? It is the, I, I mean, it's having to do what you did before, okay. plus what the teacher does for your kids, hmm. you know, all from home. So it's this it's like a pressure cooker right now for moms. And, you know, I had a job that I was already working at home. And so I'm kind of used to that, but I didn't have all my kids at home. And so now I'm faced with having to, you know, it's not even homeschooling because any homeschooling parent will say, this is not normal. We're never as stuck in the house the whole time. So you're faced with schooling them or distance learning, whatever you want to call, plus doing your regular job and, and also trying to make sure that they're, you know, not, freaking out and they're, they're okay and keep them healthy and make sure they have their masks if you have to go out. And it's just such, it's a non-sustainable atmosphere. Hmm. Um, and it's something that none of us have ever dealt with before. And so the pressure, the, the pressure is just so high on everybody. And, and I understand why five o'clock is now four o'clock is now three o'clock. Well, now it's 9am because what what's your escape if you can't escape and that's what you're used to escaping with there there's no boundary there's no demarcation of day and night work and home you know school and no school everything is convoluted it's so much pressure on moms right now well yeah you know I'd certainly like to think of myself as an optimist but we're hearing so much about like record alcohol sales and and like you said it's like 
you know, we've all seen the jokes, like what day is it basically, much less like what time is it, you know? And so, yeah, I mean, it is, you know, I'm sure people are starting earlier and earlier and the isolation and the pressure, you know, I can, I can only imagine, like I said, what so many moms are, are dealing with right now. So if there's a mom listening right now that is maybe, you know, questioning her drinking habits or she's like, man, mommy wine culture, I have that wine glass, you know, that says wine o'clock mm-hmm. or whatever. Uh, and, right. and I'm starting at three o'clock every day. You, you know, what, what are some of the questions that um, maybe she should think about, you know, or, or what should, what, what would you say to her? You know, I always tell people, ask yourself the reason why you're pouring the drink in the first place, right? If, if you're pouring the red wine because it tastes great with your steak, that's a whole different answer than I'm going to smother my kid and I need a glass yeah, of wine. Yeah, right, you know, yeah. it's, the, it's the feeling, it's the need behind it. Mm-hmm. And so I would say, first of all, just ask yourself, what am, I, what am I trying to accomplish here? And then I would say, you know, you're not the crazy one. Like, first of all, it, it's not your fault that you're in a place where you feel like you need to be questioning it because again, society and all your friends and everyone in the world is telling you, you need to drink to survive motherhood. Yeah. And, you know, alcohol is addicted, addictive, it's desi- designed to addict you. So whether you're drinking a glass every other day or a whole bottle or whatever, it, it's not your fault for getting addicted to an addictive substance. No, that, that's a great point. I mean, and I think the thing that really just caught my ear right there is just simple question. I mean, why are you taking the drink? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, very, think- very true. Yeah, and, and I think it's so interesting, especially right now, we, we're in this like hyper wellness world. Um, yeah. Every woman I've worked with has either been on, at least been on one diet or lifestyle plan or whatever, they're all right. Diets. Yeah. But if you, people are so in tune with, gosh, maybe I'll give up gluten because I'm not feeling so well. Maybe I'll give up dairy or, or these things that you feel like maybe aren't making your body feel good. Like, but but we're made to feel crazy for questioning alcohol. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think it's, it's good that people are starting to question it. Um, but I think it's an interesting time right now because um, people are home more. And, and so those women who are saying, I'm just a social drinker. Well, you're not really a social <laughs> drinker right oh, now right. because yeah. we're not being social unless you're talking about a Zoom happy hour. Wow. Um, it's, it's confronting for a lot of women that, oh gosh, I guess I really didn't need this more than I thought. That's, man, that's a really great point. You know, I know uh, my wife the other day, she was going through Instagram and she saw someone's story. I'm not sure who it was, but anyway, this woman was just talking about how, I mean, she was joking, but serious, like about this conversation that she was having with herself about how she was trying not to have a glass of wine and like i'm not going to say you know it's not my job to say whether someone has an issue or not but again it's like okay red like red flag maybe you know Mm -hmm. red flag that like you're having this whole internal conversation and then it was so present and and pervasive that now you're sharing about it uh you know i mean man it's yeah, but that's a really good point. You know, I mean, we're, we're not socializing right now. That's one of the main, um, you know, reasons that even normal drinkers drink. And uh, that's just not going on right now. It's kind of tough to use that 
uh, as an excuse for someone that, that might have a problem. And so, you know, you're bringing up this whole quarantine thing. Um, yeah, I'm just kind of curious, you know, and, and you mentioned that you were going to 12-step meetings. What does your recovery look like today? And what are you doing to just, you know, not just maintain, but grow in your recovery? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so I started in AA. And, you know, I found a lot of different people through AA. I found a great home group through AA. And then I found um, She Recovers, which is a foundation for, you know, women in recovery, recovery yeah. small things. And I started journaling. I started working with a therapist you know, every, it's like one thing led to another where I uncovered the reasons I was drinking. And then all of a sudden I'm like, well, I got to talk to somebody about that. And so I go talk to somebody about that. And, you know, that's really how my book came about. It's like, it was a stream of consciousness of how I got to this place, um, you know, as an alcoholic at, you know, 38 years old, you know, that I all of a sudden, like, how the hell did I get here? And all of those things led me to the next thing and led me to want to learn about more about recovery and, you know, addiction studies. And that's how I became a recovery coach. So now for me, you know, I still have my home group. I meditate, I do the gratitude journal and I work with other women. And, and for me, it's really, that's just about paying it forward. And, you know, it, it strengthens my recovery with every person I talk to, every Instagram post I make, um, every podcast I, you know, am interviewed on, it it just strengthens my resolve even more. That's awesome. And so, actually, we had Dawn on the show. Uh, you know, the, oh, yeah. the co-founder of She Recovers. So, I'm just curious, you know, because that's a, that's a group of women. Like, how important is it for you to be a part of a, a group of of women and have that support? It's really important, um, especially because. I think for a lot of women, and, and She Recovers isn't just for substances, but, but right. a lot of women in She Recovers have substance, you know, recovery. Yeah, thank um, you. Yeah, but usually it's to account for something else. Like you drink because of the trauma, or you drink because of the workaholism, or you drink because, and so it's really comforting and healing to mm-hmm. be with other women who have been through a lot of the same things. And you know, it's, it's just, it's such a great, such a great community. And I think especially right now, they were able to pivot so beautifully to yeah. turn all of these virtual meetings and, and just, you know, make, I hate the term lemons out of lemonade, but, or lemonade out of lemons or whatever it is, right, but right. you know, a bad situation. It's like, well, what can we do? Like all yeah. of our stuff canceled, but how can we help? And it's just shown me really the need for community. Um, so much more than I, than I ever believed, you know, we can't be together. We can't give each other hugs, but you know, we can look at each other's faces. We can listen to each other. We can still hold space for each other. Um, and that's been so huge. And that's why, you know, Jessica and I, and the other, um, you know, moms created the a space for moms in recovery, because it is mm-hmm. such an interesting group <laughs> where, you know, you, sometimes you can feel a little ungrateful complaining about your kids in, in, in some groups and, it's, it's just a group of people who can understand exactly where you're at. Yeah. It's hard to be sane and sober right now and also be parenting and teaching and doing all the things at the same time. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, I can only imagine, I mean, because again, and I'm sure it is, especially to have a group of moms specifically because you're human. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, and and I could see how someone that's that's not in that position, or and even another mom, you know, that 
they hear someone kind of complaining, you know, she might be kind of judgmental, but it's like, that's, this is what I'm going through. And I'm sure to have other moms here to be like, yeah, I, like, I get it. You know, this kid's a little a-hole sometimes, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, you right. know, and I mean, it's just, you know, that's just, uh, I think it's just, I'm sure you're able to be very honest and, and open and get some good, uh, good feedback. And I'm sure the other, you know, mothers really appreciate what you guys have done there. So I did want to ask, you mentioned your book, um, Highlight Real. So what is your book all about and who is it for? Yeah. So I honestly started writing it thinking, okay, I've done all this work on myself and I've, I've written, you know, this whole journal of, you know, how I got sober. And I really thought it would be a story about a mom getting sober. Okay. But as I, I unpeeled the onion, um, I realized, again, the reasons I drank and, you know, it really goes back to my childhood and, you know, trauma I experienced and, you know, how these, these themes kept coming up. And that's why I can say, you know, I can look back and see that alcohol was always a problem or, you know, I always saw it as the solution, right? right I, I saw right. it as the bandaid, the medication. And, and so I knew that when I got sober, I dove into all the quit lit. I, I read every memoir, I read every book, you know, every alcohol addiction, you know, self-help book out there. And so for me, I wanted to have my story out there, again, to pay it forward, because I would have loved to read what I was going through when I was going through it. Okay, yeah. And so it really is for women in recovery, um, women who, you know, moms who are you know, afraid to maybe dig into their past and heal some trauma from the past um, and moms who are you know, ready to kind of take the next step. Um, and just anybody who's, who's in for a, a juicy memoir. <laughs> it's really yeah. for anybody. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Awesome. And so I, I want to ask, you know, you're touching on uh, trauma and, and that's another, I think it's so important and, and really, I don't know like how it took so long for, for really it to be talked about so much and not like trauma hasn't been talked about, but you know, more and more we're kind of seeing like that is the root of most of the stuff we've gone through, you know, especially just in terms of, of having issues with, uh, with addiction and, and substance abuse. Do you feel like, and, and let me ask you this, I mean, because I'm sure you work with a lot of women, uh, do you feel like most of the women or many of the women actually get to the root of the trauma the, the reason i ask is because you know I, i've done a lot of digging uh you know in my own head and sometimes i'm not really sure that i've gotten to the the root of all of it like i think i have an idea um or or do you think it's even important to know like where it all really started you know i think it's really individual okay. very individual yeah and you know if you're a person who drinks because you want to take the edge off of a little bit of anxiety at five o'clock and then you find out it's not serving you and so you stop you know there, there's probably not a lot to dig deep or okay. or maybe you realize that oh gosh my parents drink every night and it's just kind of part of my lifestyle and I don't want that for my family um you know there's there's such a huge curve right sure, sure, um, yeah. of why people drink and how they get where they where they are and I think if you can look back and see what you, again, going to that question, like, why do I drink? Why did I pick up my first drink? Was it to fit in? Maybe I need to work on my, you know, self-esteem, self-confidence, my sense of self. 
Was it because I was trying to numb out a horrible experience? Maybe I need to go to a therapist and talk about that. Um, I think for a lot of the women that I work with, we're, they're in the middle. It's, you know, they're not the people who drink once every month and they're not the people who can, you know, need to go to detox. It's the people who are maybe Googling, do I have a drinking problem? I'm not sure. And so just being faced with the facts of this is not making me feel good. Let's, let's help you get on a path where you are feeling good. And then you may be confronted with some stuff. Once you start drinking, you may realize, oh, this is why I drank. I better deal with that. It might lead to another thing, but this is what we have in front of us now. You want to stop drinking. You want to cut down whatever. Let's focus on that. So I think yeah. it's just super individual. Yeah, no, I know that's a that's a pretty big question I asked you there. I, I do know, but I was just curious your thoughts on that. So we talked about the quarantine a little bit. Do you think that, and we're talking on Zoom right now, um, and and you mentioned she recovers, and again, you guys have the online community of of sober moms. Do you think what we're going through right now is is going to change the way that recovery looks at all? I mean, just in terms of people being more open to you know, kind of doing what we're doing right now in online meetings and communities and stuff? I do. And I, I think if anything, it's shown a need that we had that we didn't know we had. That I've met so many women who have never gone to a meeting before and now we're going to a meeting a day. Wow. And are realizing, gosh, I needed this, but it was prohibitive for me to go across town on my lunch hour or it was prohibitive because there wasn't childcare. Or, or whatever reason, or maybe they just don't want to be in a crowded room of people. For, for whatever reason, it, it's allowing people who weren't accessing meetings before to access them. And so I, I hope, my hope is that, you know, AA has, has started launching all these virtual meetings. But right. I hope even when we go back to having them in church basements and <laughs> where they are now, that right. they'll still offer some online. Because I do think it's shown a need um, that we weren't feeling before. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. And, you know, uh, funny enough, I was just in a, I'll call it a conversation. It, it was a debate to some degree uh, at the AA club I go to about our online Zoom meetings. And, you know, I found it really interesting. There have been some some other guys in the meetings that I've been in uh, that have never been to meetings before that, you know, that are newcomers. I mean, that really surprised me. And, I think one of the things I've been thinking about is just, you know, I did, you were talking about doing your research, you know, on, on Google and I did my research for so long. And actually the club that I belong to now, you know, I was driving past for years. I knew where it was, you know, on the way home from picking up liquor on the way home from, you know, picking up drugs and stuff saying, yeah. you know, maybe I'll go there one day. Uh, I think that maybe if I had been able to just like pop into a meeting and, and maybe I'm wrong, you know, but I think that it, maybe I had just been able to pop into a meeting, camera off, listen in, you know, I, I don't know, maybe it would have planted the seed, you know, I, I think that, um, but I, I, I agree. I really hope that, that it does stick around to some degree because, um, you know, I know I've been to more meetings recently than I have in person in a long time, you know, and it's not hard for me to go to a meeting in person. So, um, you know, I, I think it, it makes things very accessible and, and I'm really hoping that, um, you know, it's able to kind of carry the, the message a little bit, uh, a little bit better and, and make it easier for more people to, to find, I would hope. I would yeah, hope. And I, 
I think, I feel like the door of, of the, the church, like the, the church door is always like a hundred pounds, right? It's like the heaviest door. And, and so if you don't have to go through that door, but you can access the same, or just even, you know, get an idea again, like you said, with your screen off and, right. and see what it's all about and hear one story that resonates with you. I think, I think that can be so helpful. And, you know, I get that it's not for everybody and there's such a benefit of being in person and giving hugs and getting the coins. Like I love all of that. Yeah. No question. But, but if you can also add that the virtual component, I, I do think it, it will include so many people who, who aren't ready to open that hundred pound door. Yeah, absolutely. I, I wanted one thing I did want to ask you and, and not to spoil your book by any means, but um, is there maybe one story or, or one incident that, that really sticks out in the, in the book that maybe you could share with us? So like, if there was just one thing you had to say, like, okay, like this is, I can share this without, giving it all away and it's pretty good is there something you would share from the book oh gosh there's so many so many good ones to choose from um you know i think i think it's more of just the theme in the book okay. that the theme of really brutal honesty um when it comes down to it that's what i was lacking i would try and change all the situations um i would try and move somewhere else I would try to, um, you know, be a different people, you know, with different groups of friends and, and just not being honest with who I was, what I was doing, um, really was something that I had to confront and which was why recovery has been so great because you put it all out there, you know, you go in the AA meeting and you spill your guts in front of everybody and right. it's so, it's so freeing to not have to keep all of this inside. Um, so for me, I think the biggest theme for me, especially when writing the book was, wow, I didn't realize how much mental energy it took, you know, to delete the text messages and to, you know, keep all of these stories straight and, and all of those things that you don't even think about as you're going along that you realize after the fact, you're like, wow, I have so much, so much brain power that's free now. Um, so I think, that's one thing that, that I've, I've seen as a theme in my book and my story and a lot of people's story is just the inability to really be honest with, with yourself. And, and that, that was definitely my, my biggest struggle. Yeah, no, likewise. I mean, you're reminding me of just, <laughs> I, and really, I don't know. I mean, at some point I know people were just looking at me just like, I have stopped believing anything you're saying because it's clearly all just crap. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, gosh, it took so much effort. It really is a, a double or triple or quadruple life at, um, you know, to some degree with all that stuff going on and trying to hide certain things from certain people and yeah, keeping track of it was just, man, uh, a lot. So you, you just gave a little advice there, but before we wrap up, is there maybe one piece of advice, uh, that you'd like to share with the sober nation? For people who maybe are interested in stopping drinking or yeah. people who, yeah, I would say you don't ever have to say forever. That's one thing that kept me out of the room. Um, you know, the labels and saying, you know, I'm going to quit forever was just, you know, reevaluate 
and ask yourself the question and, and don't be afraid to reach out. Um, and, and know that even if you say I'm evaluating this and I think I might have a problem, doesn't mean you have to quit, but just ask until you get an answer that helps. That's great, great advice. I know that was one of the things that was just, you know, on my mind when I got sober, because I was, you know, still in my 20s. And it's like, man, how am I, you know, I was on day three, but how am I going to do this for the next 30 years? <laughs> you know? And I think that's just where uh, so many of us, that's where our minds go immediately is how do we do this forever? But again, it's just, I think for me, I have to go back to this is a one day at a time deal. Mm-hmm. And, uh, exactly. and, and, and don't drink or pick up today and, uh, I'll, I'll probably, I'll probably be okay. So great advice. Uh, you can learn more about Emily, her recovery coaching and her book by following her on Instagram at highlight real recovery, or by visiting her website, highlightreallife.com, where you can also find a free 10 day journal designed to help you enjoy happy hour without the wine. That sounds pretty helpful. Thanks again for coming on the show today, Emily. Thanks for having me. Be sure to check out the show notes for all the info from today's episode. Sober Nation FM is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Sobriety Engine is a free online community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. This show is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle while supporting your sobriety, you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And again, whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave us a review. Nation, thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.